Well, they hung on for two quarters, uh, and then the second half was just a complete mess. We're going to get into the Red Bandana game, a game Boston College lost 31-3. to uh, It was ugly. There was not a lot to take away from it. But we're in the bye week now, folks, and we're going to get into everything we learned about this game with Mitch Wolf. All this and more in today's Locked On BC. You are Locked On Boston College, your daily podcast on the Boston College Eagles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked on BC, AJ Black. As always, on Mondays, I am joined by Mitch Wolf. This is actually recorded on Sunday. But Mitch, how you doing, man? Uh, doing all right. It's uh, It was a tough result, but I, th- I think there's a lot to take away from it. There's a lot of discussion points to be had. Um, some legitimate, some not. But you know, people are having them regardless, so let's get into it. All right, let's start with the defense, who... I thought played an excellent game up until things started to fall apart, but they were put in tough situations over and over again, and they made some plays. Um, until he got hurt, I thought, you know, the the star of the defense was Elijah Jones. I thought he had an excellent game until he went down. Um, Mitch, what were some of your takeaways from the play of the defense? I, I totally agree. I thought they played extremely well. Um, you know, first drive, Clemson kind of, you know, gets some nice plays, but BC makes a stop to force a field goal get a pick the next drive, then force one, two, three, four, four consecutive punts until BC has the bad punt that gives Clemson good field position. They score going into the half. Sorry, my, I have the play by play up on ESPN. And of course they love auto playing those videos in the background. So I have to keep an eye on that. Um, But yeah, I mean, really good play from the secondary. Um, You know, I, I, I commended Elijah Jones last week, even though he had a bit of a tough week in terms of mental toughness this week, he, you know, co- combined that mental toughness was just good play. Um, he had a few pass breakups, uh, good coverage. I really, I want to shout out again, Amari Jackson, true freshman corner played a really good game. Um, they went after him early with that first touchdown or pass. They, that probably should have been a touchdown. It was perfect throw from DJ, but Jackson was in good position to, to, to essentially say like, you have to throw a perfect ball to beat me. And DJ did that, but Jackson had some nice plays throughout the game. Um, I think he's going to be a star in the ne- in the coming years once he becomes a full time starter. Um, you know, and like you said, like they held really tough for the first half, um, but then they just kind of kept getting put back on the field in the second half, and they kind of just essentially eventually ran out of gas. Which that that's what's going to happen against Clemson. You know, regardless of who you are, you know, unless yeah. you're another top five team, you're going to run out of gas, and Clemson's going to. You know, I I don't know if I said this to you specifically, but I did. I did think this game was going to be like, I think BC is going to be competitive for a half and then Clems is just going to kind of pull away towards the end, which is exactly. Yeah. You were, you texted me and said, this is going to be like NC, NC state. state last year. Yeah. Yes. Which is kind of exactly what happened. Yeah. Honestly, and honestly, like I would say less, hmm, I don't know if I would say less mistakes, less, less big killer mistakes than the NC state game last year where you had, you know, a pass bounce off a receiver Clemson or um, NC state brings it back for a touchdown. I think they had a tip ball that, then caught for a touchdown um so kind of and then they had the punt block so yep. you know I, I think this was kind of it was kind of similar in that way where you have these mistakes but they were more kind of in the normal narrative of, of a football game yeah and you know i i thought even when things were getting tough the defense seemed to just continue to make plays and I, again i like to shout out like certain players that i thought so had some big games 
again, Vinny De Palma. Mm-hmm. Like, I think he's a guy that we continue to like, you know, it just, if he's the guy that going into the season, I was like, you know, they're going to move on past De Palma. They're going to move on past De Palma. And he just goes out there and makes big play after big play after big play. And they're not the flashiest plays. He's not a guy that makes like explosives, but he's just so rock solid. And he did it again on Saturday. Yeah. And in college, like you can, you can get a lot of value out of those like guys who are like high effort guys, because you know, there's just more room for error in college than the NFL. Like in, in the NFL, the athleticism really takes over, but in college, like you can still make those plays. And De Palma had a lot of those pursuit effort plays where he was able to track down ball carriers, make plays. Um, so yeah, I'm really impressed by him. You know, in the first half he had to play a lot of situations he normally wouldn't because uh, Jalen Blackwell was not able to play due to his ejection from targeting from last week. So yep. really impressive from him. Um, Cole Batson took a lot of snaps, mostly at, I think, at free safety, um, they he asked he had to move, yeah, mostly at free safety. So, um, they had to move Matry to exactly. Nicolai. So, and yeah. I, I, I didn't see any terrible plays from him. Uh, that was good. Jason Matry had a nice day. Um, you know, and I mean, I think again, you know, I think we do have to give credit for to Clemson and DJ Uangalele because there were just a lot of plays where he had terrific throws, like the one that I forget the receiver, but the first drive where he dropped the ball in the end zone, that was a perfect throw. Um, some of his other yeah, throwing dives out there. Yeah. Yeah. And like at the end of the day, like, you know, there's no defense for a perfect throw. Uh-huh. And, you know, sometimes BC, like they, their coverage busted or, you know, the guys just got open and, you know, that's kind of, that is an issue with BC, but other times like DJ just throw a really great ball in a really great situation. So you kind of have to just give him credit for, you know, kind of progressing after a tough year last year where he wasn't really, that dynamic of a player. And this year, I think he has grown a lot as a thrower. So, you know, credit to him for making a lot of really great plays. And the other name that we were watching for in this game was going to be Will Shipley, their running back. And I thought BC did a really nice job of managing him. I think he had 11 rushes for 31 or 34 yards. Yeah. 10 for 33, according to PFF yeah. and the touchdown, which I mean, yeah, I mean, he, he's a dynamic player. I know Jeff Halfley mentioned him. Um, Shipley only had one run of 10 yards or more for a long of 11 yards. So, that, that's impressive. You know, uh, Uyangalele killed them on the ground a little bit, you know, eight rushes for 76 yards. Um, a lot of those were designed. And I mean, he is an absolute threat to run the ball. So, you know, and I think BC really wanted to take Shipley out of the game. So they kind of were fine with Uyangalele beating them on the ground. And, you know, if that's your game plan, I can respect that choice. And it didn't just kind of beat them. So, um, yeah, I mean, again, like I do want to give credit to Clemson because they did play like a really good game front to back. Um, BC was able to make some plays to stay in the game early. But again, as the game developed, they were just able to kind of pull away. All right. In a moment, Mitch and I are going to get into the offense, which is going to get a little bit more hairy because there's a lot more uh, meat to pick off those bones. But we'll get to that in just a moment. Now, the numbers don't lie. In the last four decades, uh, last decade, excuse me, over 4 million people have chosen Simply Safe home security to protect their homes. You don't even, you don't earn the trust of that many people without doing something right. At Simply Safe, your safety is the only thing that matters. I know because I use Simply Safe in my own home. They protect you with cutting edge security technology powered by 24 7 professional monitoring agents who will always have your backs. And here is why I love it it's safety. It's keeping your family safe, and that's what Simply Safe is all about. You know that when you're out and about and you have a family at home, they are there to take care of you because they have someone on that other end of that line every day, 24 7. 
Simply Safe blankets your home in protection with advanced sensors for every room, window, and door. HD security cameras for inside and outside your home. Smarter ways to detect motion that only alert you when a threat is real. And even hazard sensors that instantly detect these uh, floods, fires, and other threats in your home. Our monitoring, monitoring experts use proprietary advanced response technology to regularly respond when a break-in is real. So you get the highest priority police dispatch and that's money well spent so make sure to go over to simplysafe.com slash locked on college to learn more again go to simplysafe.com slash locked on college to learn more there's no safe like simply safe all right boston college loses to clemson 31 to 3 and we talked about the good the defense and you know as jeff halfley said Allowing 31 points is never a good outcome, but I think the the stats were kind of deceiving in terms of the way that the defense played. Um, Let's look at the offense because there's a lot of issues going on here. Mitch, I'm sure you have a whole list of things to talk about the offense. I'll let you start with where where you want to go. So I texted you about this and I think I've kind of finally developed my thesis on BC's offense and the general point of the of the thesis is that at no point or at very rare points in the does the BC offense have everything go right. And what I mean by that is that at, at one point or another, something is always going wrong. So on any given play, you know, either, either the play call is bad because I, I, I generally do like John McNulty's offense. I think he called a pretty good game for the most part. I think there were mistakes, you know, to be found, but I think, so I think that is, that has been decent for the most part. There have been issues with the pass blocking, obviously there's been issues with blocking in general. So, and then there's obviously, you know, Phil Dracovic's decision-making and then drops by the receivers. And at any given time, I feel like one, at least one of those things is going wrong. So you could have a play where, um, you know, McNulty calls the right play, the pat, you know, the pass blocking holds up. Dracovic makes a good throw on time, and the receiver drops it. You have a play where, again, the play call is good. Receiver gets open, but the pass rush just gets there immediately and blows up the play. You can have a play where good play call, receivers get open, pass block holds up, and Dracovic makes a bad throw or bad decision. So, and you know, I think that you know teams can get plagued by this sometimes. So, and again, like people, I think people. When they when they watch football games, they want to attribute things to one source or one issue because then you say, "Oh, it's it's this that's causing all the problems," and th- then that that makes for an easy analysis because you can say, "Oh, like they need to make a change here, like they need to to be reductive, fire the offensive coordinator, fire the coach, or you know do something different with the offensive line." But the thing about football is that <clears throat> it is so complex of a game where it's hard. I, I feel like it's, it's, it's hard and, and honestly disingenuous to say it's, it's all one thing. I think there's a confluence of factors that, and again, maybe not all the factors are present on all the plays. It's sometimes it might just be one thing that blows it up. You know, I think about that play where um, Dracovic threw like a deep ball to Jane Williams down the sideline. and just bounced off his fingertips. Um, there was a play, a video I sent you where Dracovic, if he had, you know, read the play properly and just, just gotten the ball out when he first saw it, it would have been a big completion, but he double key triple clutched the ball and threw it and it was short and it was incomplete. And I think of plenty of plays where, 
you know, again, give credit to Clemson, like their defensive line just ate BC's offensive line alive at times. So, you know, KJ Henry had an incredible game. I feel like he was just getting after Jakovic every play. So, and I, I, I know this is hard to hear for BC fans. It's like, oh, there's all these problems. It's like, again, I, I don't think it's, it's, you know, it's these problems aren't endemic to the person or the unit. It's just, you know, there are, you know, people are imperfect, units are imperfect. So there's just things when, when things go wrong. Um, I, I do think, however, that I think Phil Dracovic made a lot of mistakes this game. And again, maybe not all of them were, you know, the chaotic Phil that we saw last week. I think there were just a lot of times where he, you know, he felt he needed to scramble out of the pocket when he didn't necessarily need to, where he felt he needed to hold on the ball longer than he needed to. He delivered some inaccurate balls. And there were times where he delivered really good balls, you know, really tight window throws that were impressive. But there were just a lot of missed opportunities that he left out there. Um, and and again, the offensive line, like, you know, you can just look at the running game stack. They, they just this this looked a lot like the Rutgers game where they just couldn't get any push up front. And I think that's mostly a credit to Clemson's defensive line. And I know some people were saying, oh, you know, when they had third or fourth and short, they should just QB sneaked. And I asked, have you been watching this offensive line? You know, Dracovic has been successful on sneaks in the past because his offensive line was strong, solid, and experienced. This offensive line is not that. Also, I think regarding the sneaks, I mean, Dracovic has clearly lost some weight, and I think that was purposeful. And I think that that we haven't seen enough evidence for me to completely buy in on this, but I think that him losing some weight to gain some more mobility in the pocket, I, I wonder if that might kind of reduce his consistent effectiveness on sneaks. Yeah, I was thinking – oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I, I, was, I was just going to reiterate my point, so go ahead. Um, so yeah, that was kind of my, my thought. Like, so you, you brought up some great points, Mitch, like there's a whole bunch of things like that's going on with this defense. That's, I mean, this offense that's making it not click when it needs to click my thought. I mean, you know, you can, you can break down the, the play calling, which is, I feel like a lot of the fans, it's the first thing they go to. I, 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 I did want to bring this up. Go ahead. I, I'm not sure if I texted this to you, but my thought process going into this game is that BC needs to use a lot of misdirection to mitigate Clemson's advantage in terms of team speed. And I would say for the most part, McNulty really leaned into that. A lot of reverses, play action fakes, you know, look one way, go the other. I I feel like they did a lot of that and that was purposeful. And sometimes it worked and just sometimes Clemson had the right play call and they just got in the backfield and blew it up. So again, I think the general game plan on offense was good at times just the execution was lacking. Okay. So, uh, you know, I think when I watch this, what I, I, I have like a reductive mind in this, I, I go to, you know, the easiest answer to this and it's in it, it. It's a fault. I get it. But I, I think honestly, it, this just goes down to, you know, Dracovic made his mistakes, but this goes down to the offensive defensive line, which is what we said going into this game. You said, we said, you know, the concern was that the offensive line hasn't played at a, at a high level at all. Uh, and that defensive line, especially that they got Xavier Thomas back. I know he only played limited snaps, but they, I mean, you look at that line. There's what, four five guys are going to be in the NFL in, in a year or two. And at Brian Brissy is not playing either. Mm-hmm. Like they are just loaded. So you just know when you look at that, that the battle of the trenches going into this game, you're like, okay, there's a major ma- mismatch here. All the other stuff is gravy, I think. I think just looking at that, you see all the issues. And you you compound it, of course, with Dracovic making some mistakes out there. But 
that's, I mean, like when you look at that and I, I saw people like complaining about the coaching staff and complaining about this, like you can't fix that. <laughs> we already know that the offensive, the offensive line's an issue. We know that we know that it's a major issue and yeah, you could probably do things like, I don't know, switch Jack Conley for anyone. Um, <laughs> but at the end of the day, like you can make adjustments, you can do things here and there, but it's that to me, it's that simple that the offensive line is nowhere near where Clemson's defensive line is. And that's, that's what ended up costing them the game. Yeah, I, I do. I do still agree with that. Like I, I would agree that the biggest issue in the game was just the, the very apparent mismatch between Clemson's defensive line and BC's offensive line, because BC couldn't run the ball at all because of that. Um, you know, even, and you know, I know some people have been like, Oh, like they just need these more max protection and they do that a decent bit. And all, not to mention the fact that a lot of plays, especially uh, I think in one of the first few drives, they had six offensive linemen on the field. They would, they brought in Nick Thomas and they moved Jack Conley to essentially an inline tight end position. So they had six offensive linemen blocking at any given time. And that still didn't work. And, I think that, you know, you can say like, oh, like we're going to scheme up these various kinds of plays to, you know, take some pressure off, off the offensive line. But at the end of the day, like there are times in a game and especially one where, and this, again, this is kind of just the general game script where it becomes a problem is that there are times when you're just going to need to drop back in a five man protection or six man protection and, and throw the ball and, you know, from the pocket. And, you know, at, at, in this game, because of that mismatch, BC just couldn't do that because, you know, I, I've I've given praise to Ozzie Trapilo a lot this year, and this 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 game, I don't think he gave up a sack technically, but this was a tough week for him because, and and he's going against Miles Murphy, who's a all world talent. Pick, right? Yeah, he's going to be. A, I mean, I would take him in the top five, but he's a top ten pick, and that's not a huge distinction. But I, I think he's yep. awesome. He's he's an incredible player. Um, KJ Henry again had a great game. They schemed up a lot of stunts with him, and again, like that's something that BC has struggled with all year is dealing with line stunts, you know, passing guys off and Clemson deployed a lot of really complicated ones that were able to generate pressure. And, you know, again, this continues on to the back end, like because of the defensive scheme that Clemson uses and I get BC has years of film on this defense. It hasn't changed because even though Brent Venables left because it's, it's they just promoted from within. So it's the same scheme essentially, but in the heat of battle, like figuring out what, defense this Clemson especially on the coverage end is doing is very difficult because they are doing weird alignments it's not you know they have they'll have three deep safeties and they'll you know rotate coverages in all kinds of funky ways so it, it that takes time to, to decipher and when you know the offensive line isn't holding up and the pressure is getting there quickly you know that's going to lead that is going to lead to Phil's, Phil's mistakes and some of that's on the offensive line and some of that's on him and I think Halfley said that as well he said you know you know, there were plays where Phil kept us in this game, but there were also plays where Phil, you know, took us out of this game by not taking advantage of some opportunities that he could have had. Um, but, you know, I, I've kind of waxed poetic at this point, but, you know, I think I think the bye week is huge for this team. You know, just just getting a lot of issues solved with, you know, ideally kind of getting the offense line up to speed, you know, maybe make making some, you know, I, I, the buzzword adjustments. And I, I think the, there's a big myth around in-game adjustments, you know, Yep. Barring, you know, personnel changes, I don't think as many in-game adjustments happen as people think. Um, I, I know, I think Eli Manning actually discussed this on a Manning cast last year. He said, like, honestly, like, and that's professional football, so it's a little different, but I think the, the point still stands. It's like, you're not going in there and saying, like, all right, guys, like, here's all these, here's, like, seven things we're going to change this this in the second half. It's like, that. that's not really how this works. Um, 
you know, I think you can say like, all right, like, you know, instead of doing this and when we do this play, instead of doing this, we're going to do this. And that, you know, maybe you do one more adjustment, you know, when we protect, we're going to do this or we're going to sub in this guy on these kind of plays beyond that. I, I'm not really sure there's that many adjustments happening. And, you know, so I think that's a bit of a myth, but I think that, you know, having this bye week does give them a good opportunity to one, get healthy because this team is banged up on the offensive line in the running back room, and especially in the secondary. Um, and, you know, maybe they can say like, all right, like, let's go back to the drawing board. Let's see what's, what has worked in the first six weeks. What are the major issues that we, what are the major issues that we can solve by making a realistic adjustment? You know, you can't just say, okay, we're going to go to this bye week and we're going to fix the offensive line because that's an unrealistic goal. But you say, right. all right, this is an issue that's been playing us like, like, and I, I don't think they can solve all their issues with stunts and line games, but like this, this particular stunt is giving us issues. What can we do to change something that can help us perform better against this stunt? So then maybe, you know, that will, you know, lessen the effectiveness of that uh, way to attack our offense. Moment that we have so much more still to talk about this game. And we're going to talk about injuries. We're going to talk about the future of this program and everything in between. Um, and, I, I think Len Super, who's in our comment, said, thank God for the bye week for Boston College. Get healthy, boys. I think that's that's the key right now, and I think um, Jeff Halfley talked about that. But before we get into that, let's chat a little bit about our friends over at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for football betting info this season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. As always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sports out there. The fact check in on all your favorite games and events, including Major League Baseball, MMA, boxing, and golf. They have, I've, I've said this on this podcast, I, I, I'm still holding that ticket. I got my Hendon Hooker for, for Heisman, and I am going to be a happy camper if he gets that, and uh, you'll hear me cheering on that on. But you can get in on all sorts of bets like that on BetOnline. So head on over to Bet Online or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline.net, where the game starts. All right. So uh, actually, Mitch, we have a great question in the comment section that I love to start. Um, the fourth down play. Chris Lukers wants to know fourth down call. Let's go for it. No. So I am generally in favor of being aggressive on fourth downs. Um, for, and I think BC should have been more aggressive, especially late in the game when the game is essentially out of hand and they're kicking field goals just to make this, the final score look better. Um, I think they should have gone for more fourth downs. Um, and I think that, I think it was the right decision to go for it. I think that the play call was bad. If I remember correctly, it was a weird rollout kind of play action thing where Clemson got immediate pressure. So I think the play call was bad. I think the decision was good. Um, I even I even think the decision, the play call on third down, uh, and I know people don't like to run from shotgun, but that's kind of just what BC's doing. Um, I don't mind it there. Uh, the play call was pretty decent. It just was not. I, I Okay, so I remember now. Um, I think it was KJ Henry, one of the defensive ends, like performed a great inside stunt on Nick Thomas, and he just blew up the play. So, you know, you can argue, oh, they shouldn't have called that play because they knew Thomas was going to get beat. And it's like, you call plays because you're like, all right, I think this can work because I think our guy can, you know, do the bare minimum of his job. And he essentially didn't. So that I think that was why that that play call failed. And I do like the decision to go for it in that fourth down. I just don't like the the play call of some kind of funky, weird rollout. So uh, my other question, I think. Um, OK, so Quinn Riley wants I have another question uh, comment out here. We'll, we'll continue going down some of the, the fan comments because there's some great stuff here. I don't think they were nearly aggressive enough. 
I hear that a lot. I don't know what that means. Like what, like I get, like, are they supposed to like Jakovic can't like uncork longer passes. Are they supposed to do more like, yeah, th- I think this is general. I think I, I'm, I'm imagining that this is more about being more aggressive on fourth downs, which I think they should have been. Yep. In yeah. Game. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, in terms of specific play calling, being more aggressive, I think that's pretty tough to do because again, like being aggressive with vertical passing is tough with this offensive line. Um, so th- that's what I imagine it would be. Um, you know, you can build some play action uh, vertical passing and BC still does a lot of that. Um, a lot of similar concepts from last year with Frank Cignetti. Um, and you did see some success with that actually in this game um, with the nice uh, kind of like deep crossing route to Jaden Williams early in the game um, on a, uh, Okay, I think that's he says. I think this is making like going forward and fourth play calling was fine. Yeah, so yeah, I, I think, and I think at some point, you know, with 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 the fourth down, whole fourth down decision making, which is a major you know narrative uh, topic for discourse now in professional and college football, is like, you know, you can choose to go for it, but if your play, you know, depending on who your play caller is, like, is it really a good decision? Um, you know, and I I think that that play call is bad. I think that. I would like to, again, I would like to see BC be more aggressive on fourth down, especially fourth and shorts. But I think I, I can understand being conservative with that because you can't really trust your offensive line, especially against this defensive line. I think if this was a, again, a, like a Louisville or, you know, even like a Virginia Tech, like where they had some opportunities where they may, may, may I mean, again, they were, they were really struggling that game, but just in terms of a general opponent, like, you know, be more aggressive in the situations where you feel like your offensive line, it's more of a draw. Unfortunately, in this game, like Clemson just had such a talent, uh, athleticism, technique advantage over BC's offensive line at almost all facets that it's just like, you know, and I, I think I, th- I think people are, I think it is easy to be, you know, the the, the coach from the couch where you're like, oh, they got to go for you. And, and you're the coach. And you're like, man, like my guys are just getting beat up. Like, like, let's just try to get the points here. And yep. I, I can't, I can't remember what that blocked field goal was in terms of like the fourth down distance. But if, if it's like a fourth and 13 or a fourth and even like anything longer than like a fourth and eight and you're like losing pretty bad, it's like, you know, especially with the way BC's offensive line was protecting, like you just know, it's like, there's just really, it's extremely unlikely we're going to be able to pick this up. And I get like, th- that's better than, just getting a sad field goal. But I think when you're kind of getting battered down as a coach in the game, in the moment, it's like, man, I just want to take the points here. <laughs> yeah. Especially like after a sack, like, or, or something like that, where like your offense is like in a really bad mood. Cause they just gave up a, a big negative play. And you're just like, oh, man, I just want something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, you know what I want to say too, while we're, we're on this topic is Clemson was, was such a mismatch in terms of, the, of, of a key position, right? That offensive line, which again, I want to say, I thought took steps, right? They played, they're going to, they got some bumps in this game, but they, I think they had moments where they gave good protection for Djokovic. Um, I think moving forward, every other game on the schedule, I mean, Wake Forest is going to be a nightmare on defense, but I feel like every other game on the schedule, BC's offensive line could continue to grow mm-hmm. and actually keep them in some games. What do you think? Yeah, I would agree. Um, you know, th- this was always going to be the toughest matchup for BC from a trench play standpoint. Yep. Um, you know, like you said, like w- Wake's defense is pretty tough, pretty rough at this point. Um, they're giving up a lot of yardage, a lot of points to, you know, AC opponents. Um, Duke and UConn should be pretty comfortable wins or, you know, BC should have the advantage there. 
NC State kind of up and down. I, I think I think B, I think NC State is pretty overrated. Um, I and it looks like they might be without Devin Leary now too. On top, yeah. Of I mean, even before that, like people were super high on them this year, and I was like, guys, they lost a lot of talent from last year because they lost their like the greatest wide receiver in program history in Emeka Mezzi. Um, they lost two good running backs. They lost some defensive players. You know, Peyton Wilson still can't stay on the field. Um, so I don't know about NC State. Um, Syracuse is funky. That, that'll be a tough game at the end of the year. And I mean, and Notre Dame is, I can't really get a read on Notre Dame because they do have good, talented players. Uh, Isaiah Foskey is really good. Uh, the Ade Milola brothers are good, good players. Um, so they, they could make it a tough matchup, but yeah, I mean, I mean, Clemson's just a, a world above everybody else on BC's schedule in terms of defensive line versus offensive line. So I, I, I didn't, I had no intention of making this a uh, commenter show, but there's some great comments that I want to ask again. Robert Oliver wants to know, do you keep the O-line the way it is to keep continuity at this point in the season, or should BC start plugging in other guys to get experience? That's a great question. Cause like obviously Halfley's sticking with Jack Conley at this point. Um, and we don't know what's going on with mahogany. He continues to, tease things and we don't know if he's going to come back and again if you step step back and go he had acl surgery what four months ago mm-hmm. is he going to actually be back um but even that even with that being said uh do we continue moving ahead with these guys or do you think that they should try guys like jude Bowery or auto hess out there i would like to see auto hess play some more um I think well, he's used, he was out there. I think on. I think from a, I think from a PFF standpoint, and I, I have watched I have rewatched the game, um, and I, I wasn't super impressed their play, but I, I would like to see some of the younger guys uh, get some reps instead of Dwayne Alec and Jackson Ness. Um, I think those guys can perform admirably against, um, you know, like like a normal defensive line, not an oral world one like Clemson's. Um, so that that's that's part of it from their from them their standpoint, you know. Our opinions on Jack Conley on this show have been made, you know, time and time again. I would like to see Jude Barry take over for him. Um, obviously, like if Mahogany can play, you you plug him in because he's just so much better than everybody else on this offensive line. Frankly, um, even like and uh, you know, aside from him risking further injury. And, and like a 75% Christian Mahogany is still the best player on this offensive line. I would say by a pretty, a decently comfortable margin. Yeah. I agree. Um, you know, I, I think it's, it's tough to make a decision based off this game because again, BC was at such a miss, such a mismatch here. I, I think based on what you saw in the Louisville game, I think you can make the argument that, you know, continuity and chemistry could take precedence over getting other guy experience, even though they might be more talented. Um, so so i think that's a good point by robert oliver who made this question um so i, I would pers- personally just just my my opinion i would like to see some of the younger guys get some more reps but i do understand the other side of that coin all right and i have a, a photo up and i think you can see it mitch and it, it's not a question from the the audience but it's it's a question i think we should talk about uh, as our last kind of thought Jaden Williams, he made some nice catches later on, but this is like what the second or third straight game that he's made some bad miscat, like either drops or you know he he forced an interception last week when it bounced off his chest. Do you want to see him staying out there, or do you think they should start to try to give like Joseph Griffin more? Well, I mean, I I tweeted last night after that uh, drop down the sideline where I said, man, if only BC had a 6'4 wide receiver with more consistent hands. 
um, which they do in Joseph Griffin, who was targeted twice and did not get any catches last night. And neither of them were drops, it seems. So that wasn't necessarily his fault. Um, I I think the problem with Jaden Williams, I think he is miscast in this offense, uh, you know, as a, it's a five, 975 pound receiver on a good day. I don't really understand why he's their X receiver. Given that they, and for what it's worth, he is getting open downfield. Um, so, so that, that is good to see, but I think I'd just rather see him in a different role where he's not asked to make as many like tough catches. And again, like some of these catches, it's, it's just not there. The consistency just isn't there. I mean, he was targeted five times. He only caught two passes. Um, I'm trying to find what the long, the long was 23. So 23, so two catches of 23 and 24 and, uh, 24 yards respect or wait, am I doing the math? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Like I'm, I'm, I'm uh, losing my mind here a little bit. I think, so I think what happened was I think they might've graded one of his like reverses as a catch or something um, that he like fell down. But at this point, Jaden Williams just isn't doing enough for me um, in terms of his consistency. Um, I would like to see Joseph Griffin get some more snaps. You know, Lewis bond hasn't played a ton, but he has, been pretty consistent with his hands, you know, maybe give him some reps. Um, I thought Dino Tomlin had a nice catch. I mean, obviously. Yeah, I mean, that catch was insane. I don't know if he's going to be able to do that consistently. Um, that that That's more of just like an effort concentration catch. Yep. I don't know if he has the athletic ability to consistently get open. And again, this was Clemson, so it's it's a tough opponent. But I mean, I mean, maybe give him some reps. Um, I'm also, I, I'm not, Jeremiah Franklin has been surprisingly proficient as a blocker, but the, the receiving is it's, it's just tough. Um, he had a, he had, he had no drops technically, um, but he had two, he was over two on contested catch opportunities, five targets, two catches for seven yards. And yep. that's just not that. I said that, on, I said that on uh, Eagle insider that he just, he probably has the potential to be something more. He just looks very much like a freshman out there. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And like, I, I think that if you, you know, give him some more time to kind of ruminate, develop, maybe not necessarily while being on the field, you know, he, maybe he fixes some of those contested catches. He just gets more consistent. And I know Spencer Witter, you know, isn't a super dynamic athlete down the field. And I mean, I'm not really sure what George Takis's injury timetable is. You know, I know Halfley said he was, they said he might play in this game, but it was unlikely. So maybe after this bye week he gets back, I think that would be huge for this offense. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, some of these these personnel decisions are a little confusing to me. Um, again, I, I do wonder if some of these guys are just really good in practice, and then once the bright lights are on, they just make these mistakes. Um, so I'm kind of hoping that you know after this bye week, now that BC has a week to an extra week to prepare some guys who maybe haven't been playing as much, maybe they can make some switches in personnel decisions because. You know, I think again, there's a lot of issues at play, and so it's not down to you know, any one person. And I know the offensive line struggle, but it's not down to them solely as a unit. So now you have this extra time to, you know, try out some new things, get some other guys um, prepared and ready to go and play, get on the field. So I'd like to see, you know, some different faces taking the field, just, just to like, see like, Hey, maybe like, maybe they can catch, you know, pe- a lot of people like say like, Oh, like put in the backup to get, give the offense spark for quarterback specifically. Um, I think in this case, you might want to put in the backups to provide a spark at the other positions. Just see, like, net, apparently Charlie Gordinier is now healthy. You know, maybe give him a, give give him some run at tight end. Um, the running back position was kind of funky this game because of all the injuries. Um, you saw Xavier Coleman get some nice runs towards the end of the game once the defense kind of opened up. He had some nice plays early in the game as well, um, but he is a liability in pass protection at this point, which 
for a 5'7", 175-pound guy, that makes sense. Uh, and he's just, he looked a little lost there. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I think I think because you have this bye week now, I think you have an opportunity to work some other guys into the game plan, into the practice schedule and say like, okay, like what, what can you give us? Can you help, can you help this team perform better on offense? All right. So we are, we are way past our end time, Mitch. And I know you have a dragon show to go watch in a couple of seconds. <laughs> um, and um, I just want to remind folks that if you have not done so already, make sure you hit that subscribe button right now. It is free to follow us on our um, YouTube channel. And we are trying to get to 600 followers by the start of the basketball season. We are like 63 away. We can do this, but we need your help. So hit that subscribe button. Mitch, where can people find you? You can find me at Mitchell T. Wolf, W-O-L-F-E on Twitter. Um, that's where I'll be posting um, content from this week. So we've, we've updated our Zay Flowers tracker in terms of uh, his pursuit of BC's receiving records. I'll have be having my... Uh, game rewatch articles come out this week. Um, I haven't, I haven't dived into the stats yet uh, for three stars. Not sure. It's not, not hundred percent. Yeah, sure skip that one for this one. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm willing to do it if I can find, maybe I'll find some fun things, but uh, yeah, it's, it's a pretty tough week for three stars, honestly. Yeah. And you can follow me on Twitter at AJ black underscore BC. Uh, this week, I am going to lean heavily on a few different things up on Eagle insider and on the podcast, which is reviewing, the first half of the BC season, we have recruiting news that we need to get into up on Eagle Insider and basketball is coming around and I'm going to dive into uh, some analysis of what to look forward to this season. I am really looking forward to uh, BC basketball and I, I just want to throw this out there. Um, I don't know what it is, but if you want to have a little fun right now, I'm going to send you on a Twitter um, search. Malachi James is a defensive. I think he's a defensive lineman class of 24, uh, 24. And uh, it's sorry, defensive back. Of course he's a defensive back. And he just tweeted out at Mr. Malachi James, um, his, uh, his expression of how excited he was about his visit to BC. Look at the third picture and tell me what that is, because there is an interesting rendering in the poster behind some of the guys from BC. And I am very curious what you guys think about that. So go to at Ma- Mr. Malachi James and look at that picture. Tell me what you think it is. Uh, this is AJ Black. Thank you all for listening to our show today. We'll be back tomorrow. I'll give you some more rundown of things. I want to talk about injuries and how that's kind of impacted the way the season's gone so far. We'll have even more to talk about in terms of basketball and anything else that's popping up. Uh, thank you for following along and we'll see you again soon. Take care, everyone.